So as Terrence had mentioned at the beginning of our service, at the welcome, that today we are having our annual meeting. And it was a cool opportunity to reflect on this past year at GRX and all the stuff that God is doing and all the different growth that's happening and the way that I see different people stepping out, the way they see people growing. So it's everything from like Royal coming up here and doing this creative moment and sharing about faithfulness to seeing new people on the worship team to seeing the way that God is growing us as a new community new life group leaders stepping out to say, hey, I'll, I'll lead this group. I'll lead, a, I'll lead a small group Bible study. And we're also actually growing in the kid department, if you can believe that. We were um, talking at staff and praying a couple of weeks back for all of the different uh, growth that's happening among our kids. I mean, we're having, as GRX, we're expecting 10 babies this year what? Don't drink the water, you know? I mean, we, we've got like people having kids. And if you were here, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we had like three newborns in, in the house. We got young parents. We got food going out all over the place because you know how young families are and stuff like that. We got 10 babies this year, 10 babies this year. We got, we got a growing youth group, Reset, junior high and high school. When I arrived like a little more than two years ago, it was like, Couple, couple of kids in the youth zone, um, in the youth group in Reset. Friday night, potluck, parents, kids, 22 kids. 22 youth. They're growing. So it's growing. It's like really cool. Um, some of them are kids from our community, but the way youth group works, they begin attracting other people from outside, not in church, and that's what's happening. That's what's going on. And so we're going to talk about some more of that kind of stuff um, and uh, at the annual meeting. We're going to talk about what God's doing here and, and, how, and how we're growing. But today marks the end of the summer and the end of this sermon series, this series of messages on best practice. GRX is also winding down. And uh, actually, next Sunday in service, we'll do some things that celebrate the cool stuff that happened in GRX hoops. And then the Sunday after that, September 13th, mid-September is when we begin a new series on the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse, the last book of the Bible. And what we're also going to be doing is, as Terrence mentioned earlier, we're going to be launching life groups, Bible studies that will follow the sermon passages. And so if you're looking for a, a, a way to study the Bible more in depth, or maybe you want to connect with a few more people at GRX, you can join in with one of these. Eight weeks to... It's a, a discrete amount of time. You start together, you end together, you study the revelation, you get to know some people. They're in homes, some will be at the ministry center all throughout the week. So signups are coming on uh, starting uh, today, actually, and they'll be on the website. But today, the last day in the best practice is the theme of faithfulness. That faith and faithfulness are best practice for us and how to live. What is faith? What is faithfulness? I'm going to be working with a four-word definition for this message. That faith is these four words. Hopeful belief inspiring action. Faith is hopeful belief inspiring action. 
We're going to look at a passage later on in Hebrews that actually talks about that. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But we're going to get into that a little bit later. But faith is this hopeful belief inspiring action. It's something that is inside that then gets expressed outside. Faithfulness is something that's invisible that through action then becomes visible. And for followers of Jesus Christ, the core of our faithfulness to God is our faith in the person of Jesus Christ and the hopeful belief that God loves us and that God forgives us and that all of our brokenness and all of our past, all of our sin is forgiven completely in Jesus Christ. And then out of that inward reality, then we, in our hopeful response to that, we love other people. We forgive other people. We're gracious to other people. Is it because they're loving to us first or gracious to us first or forgiving to us first that we then love and are gracious and forgive others? No. It's because Jesus Christ was loving and gracious and forgiving to us first. Then in that hope, we are loving and gracious and forgiving to other people. And that's, that's our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. But even for people who are not followers of Jesus Christ, faith and faithfulness are great practices to have in your life. I actually see faith as a human quality. It's a quality that's practiced all around us and actually inspires us to all the very best action. I mean, consider this. Consider this example. I'm going to, this will be a little interactive. I'm going to ask you to right now uh, reach into your pocket. And uh, do you have some kind of electronic device with you? Um, can you? Can you pull that out and just like, you know, you know, you know, just like pull that out? Like, check this out. Ch- check out your electronic device here. Innovation is actually an expression of faith. Have you ever thought about it like that? It's like this. Because you believe that something can be made that is smaller, that is more efficient, that is more elegant, because of your hopeful belief, you innovate, you create, you brainstorm, you dream, you design, and you manufacture something that can be more elegant, more efficient, more beautiful, that can hold more memory, that can be smaller, that can fit in your palm of your hand, because you believe that it can be done. That's faith. Hopeful belief that inspires action. Now, I remember when cell phones came out, when they first came out, and then people started integrating a camera in the cell phone. And some of you old enough to remember that? A camera. And this is the critique I heard. People would go, a camera? Cell phone? why do I need a camera in my phone? Right? There was a time when cell phones didn't have cameras. But now, because people go, oh man, that would be so cool to have a camera in your phone. I mean, you could take selfies, take pictures of your food. Yelp's not created yet, but I know once Yelp's created, 
then you can rate stuff, but you got to take pictures of it. Now everybody's got cameras on their phone. It's cool. You can remember stuff. You can take cool video, right? It's just like, why, why do we have that? Why do we have, you can put your device away now. Why do, but why do we have that? Because people hoped for it. Because that people had faith. And then they innovated. And then they did it. You know, dating, dating is an act of faith. Right? Think about this. I mean, marriage is an act of faith too. Uh, but we'll save that for another message. But dating, in dating, right? If you think about dating, two people, you know, when, when life is good, life is good. And but when two people are dating and then they're fighting, they argue. You're up till 2 a.m. You can barely keep your eyes open, but you're trying to work something out. And sometimes it's very painful. But why do you do that? Why do you do that in dating? Because you have the hopeful belief that this relationship might turn into marriage. So that's your action. You stay up till 2 in the morning because of your hopeful belief that this dating relationship might lead to the marriage covenant. That's faith in dating. All scientific inquiry is an act of faith because you believe that something's out there. If you're studying space, you believe that there's something out there. Scientific equations would kind of say, well, there should be something like gravity or gravity waves out there. And then they found it. Right? Science just found, this last year, gravity waves. The mathematical formulas predicted it, but they hoped for it. They had faith. And then they, 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 they found it because they were searching for it. That's faith. Think about your own life. I'll bet if you think about your own life and you reflect and you see in your own life where you have been inspired to great action. Maybe in your life you've been inspired to risk for something. You've been inspired to do something that was great in your life. I bet what you'll also find underneath that action was a hopeful belief that inspired you to that action. Now let me say this also, just because I need to say this about faith. Before, right before we get into the biblical passage, I'm going to say this. If right now you might be at a time in your life where you're feeling particularly discouraged or disillusioned or frustrated about something, if you're feeling stuck in life and you don't know what action to take next in your life, you feel like you're just like, I don't know what to do next. And you're kind of down about that. Let me ask you this. Where is your hopeful belief? What are you hoping in? Have you lost your hope? Are you looking for a job, but you're discouraged, and you go, oh, I'm never going to get a job. You've, have you lost your hope that you'll find something? Because people who feel stuck, they don't know what to do, they feel disoriented, oftentimes people have lost their hope. They've lost their understanding, their purpose. Why are you living what are you going after? What is your goal? What are you wanting to see happen that's not yet realized? You've lost faith. 
When our faith is discouraged or when we become disillusioned, we become disoriented. It's very human. We can do that. We can enter into a season of doing that. If that's where you are, don't get down on yourself. But I would just say, hey, maybe it's an opportunity for you to explore where's your hope? Where are you hoping in? Have you lost your hope? Because then maybe that's why you've lost a sense of what you should be doing. All right, so the passage today comes out of Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 1, and then we're going to bump down to 7 and go through 10. Hebrews chapter 11 reads like this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Right? It's that invisible then being lived out in the, in the visible. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In verse 7, it begins to pick up a couple of people who lived by faith, and they did things because of that. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I mean, by this, what it means is that actually Noah was not the one that brought the world into condemnation. But by his faithful action, by him being faithful, it showed up that the rest of the world was not living in faithfulness. And that's what, that's what that means. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. But in the story of Abraham, seen in the Old Testament, when God calls Abraham, he says, go out. Abraham responded in obedience because he heard. He didn't know for sure, but he had faith. And so then he went. First Corinthians, I mean, first, uh, I mean, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it begins with this bold statement. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Assurance is an interesting word. It means that there's a simple confidence that comes with the idea that God has a plan. It's the unshakable belief that all things are God's, that God has all things. You know, it's actually one of the reasons why I want us as a church to study the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is actually about the end of all things. It's about evil power. It's about good power. But overall, Revelation, it's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ, the one who sits on the throne. It's about where all of the things are going to end up. They're going to end up in Christ victorious. If we don't know what our faith is grounded in as followers of Jesus, if we don't really understand that Revelation is not a book about fear, 
but actually a, a book about Jesus Christ. If we don't understand that, then we're going to get lost, not only in the study of the book, but we're going to get lost in our lives because we don't know where we're going. We don't know what our time on earth is pointing us to if we don't know who Jesus Christ is. So faith is the assurance that God has everything, even to the end, in control. That's why when the Apostle Paul is imprisoned in the city of Philippi, and he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's writing from prison, but he says that I believe that my I believe that my imprisonment is for the glory of God. And I believe that your prayers and the work of God, the choreography of the Holy Spirit, will work this out for my deliverance. That God has all things in control. He can write that from prison because he believes that God's got everything in a plan for him. And that's true for us. And that's true for you. God has a plan, and he knows you. He's got a purpose for your life. And this is the assurance that Hebrew is talking about, that this faith, this hope, this joyful hope, it's the assurance of things in God. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that we don't see. Now all of Hebrews then runs through all these people that have exercised this faith. Now, we're only going to look at Noah and Abraham. But if you go back and read the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it is the primary passage that people look at on faith. Just like 1 Corinthians 13 is this primary passage that people look at for love in the Bible, Hebrews 11 is one of these incredible passages, this this poetic passage about faith. And then it runs through all these, this biography of all these people that have practiced faith. Noah, the story of Noah, God tells Noah to make this ark, and it's a huge boat. It is massive. It's 450 feet long by 75 feet wide. It is a huge wooden structure because God says, hey, there's evil. I'm bringing, I'm bringing a great flood. So you guys got to build this boat and you got to get in it. There's going to be animals. you going to be all in there. Nothing like this has ever happened. Nothing like this. And if you think about, so Noah is building this boat. It's like he's, he's there and all these people that know him, all these neighbors are looking at him. I mean, how would that be? What if Noah, what if God asked you to be like Noah? In your life, you go home today after GRX and you get this word from God. And God says, hey, I want you to build me an ark. I want you to build this huge thing. We're going to get animals and all this kind of thing. What if he asked you? I mean, how would that be? What would your neighbors say? There's been no real rain in California for six years we're in a drought. You're like kind of using your backyard. You talk to your neighbor, say, hey, can I borrow some space? Maybe you got a little easement from the city. You start kind of in, encroaching on that. You start making these runs to Home Depot. You buy a big truck, Ford F-150 with a, with a lumber rack. 
You start building this thing. People go, uh, George, why are you building this in the backyard? What's going on? But you're just building? Faith is sometimes like this. Sometimes God will ask you to do something. Maybe not literally build an ark, but God might ask you to do something, some kind of action because of your faith. And is your faith grounded in the joyful hope of Jesus Christ? Then it makes it easier and it makes sense than to do those things that God asks you to do. You know, one of the main obstacles that I think we deal with in faith is what are other people going to think? What are other people going to say if I do this? You know, there's a natural tendency to want to conform, to stick with the crowd, to not draw attention to ourselves. The life of Jesus Christ calls us to live differently than the world. Has God ever called you to live differently than what the world says is possible? Maybe even to risk something because God's calling you to something else bigger than yourself, but it'll risk you. It'll risk your reputation. It might risk even your career path. I know a woman. Her name is Soli Grino. I knew her. Um, she's in the Philippines, and she's a nurse there. And leprosy, uh, it's skin disease, I know some of you know about that. In the Philippines, it was a big problem. And 25 years ago, Soli Grino and some other people, some medical people, some scientists, some nurses, they all got together and said, wow, leprosy is a big problem in our country. But wow, wouldn't it be great if we could help eradicate leprosy? If we could treat it. Now, now it's, it's hard to understand what's going on with leprosy. Like people that work with leprosy, sometimes you work for a long time and you never get it, and sometimes you contract it really quickly. Um, and they were like, wow. Man, Philippines, can it really be leprosy free? Really? Is that possible? So 25 years ago, this group of people, they committed themselves to that kind of work. They worked hard for decades and decades. And now today, I got an update. Soli told me that in the Philippines now, all the cases of leprosy are being treated. I mean, essentially, they're leprosy-free because the people that have had leprosy all over these years, these decades of work, they treated them, they systematically went through and they treated them. And then all the new cases, they said, if you got a new case of leprosy, you got to report it to us immediately so we can treat it. We can, we can get in and have an intervention very early. So now any new cases that come up, they treat immediately. In all intensive purposes, Philippines is now leprosy-free. Leprosy-free. Because they had faith. Because they had faith. They had this hope that then inspired them to action. We also see in Hebrews that Abraham is also listed. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 about the life of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, 
and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. It went against all of Abraham's customs to leave his place, to go to the place where God was showing him. It was faith. It was his hope that God had something better for him. God says, I will show you. I will lead you. And then God says also, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And God's joyful promise to provide for Abraham then led him out to risk and to follow God, to leave the security, to follow him. For followers of Jesus Christ, our faith and belief at core is in Jesus Christ. It's that Jesus Christ loves us and has given us the free gift of forgiveness and living eternity with God in heaven. That means all the things that we're worried about here on earth, all of our financial concerns, all of our emotional concerns, all of our concerns about our self-worth and our well-being, all of those concerns will be swept up in the grace and the forgiveness and the complete love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says this. This is the last verse we're going to look at. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. Through this hopeful belief that inspires action. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, lest anybody should boast. See, the grace comes first. The forgiveness comes first. And our joyful hope is in Jesus Christ. And then out of that, we act. You don't have to act and then be accepted by God. We're accepted by Jesus Christ first. And then out of that love, we act. It's a little bit like dating. When you've made your way through all those fights and all those arguments, then you decide this is the person I'm going to love for my whole life. And the other person says, yep, I'm going to choose you too. I'm going to love you too. In that grace and that love, you've accepted each other and then you take action. Then you have a wedding and then you invite all your friends. You have cake. You get all dressed up. Get the big poofy white dress. You get married, Right? But your hope and your love happens first. That's the same way it is with Jesus Christ. He loves you first. He forgives you first. And then you say yes to him. And then we're saved by his grace. That's faith. It happens all around us. It happens in the world. But it happens with us as followers of Jesus Christ around the most important things that you're loved and that you're forgiven and you're saved in Jesus Christ. Let me offer a prayer for us. Lord God, I thank you that it is your grace and your love and your sacrifice that saves us, that you've loved us first, that you've forgiven us first. So God, I pray that you would deepen our faith 
to live for you. Not because we have to do anything to earn your love, but because you've forgiven us and that you've loved us and so that we can forgive and love other people in your name. And God, I pray that maybe, maybe we're not a follower of you. Maybe we don't really know you. But God, I pray that you would make yourself, your love, real to us this day. We might know your spirit, know your love, and know your grace. And God, say yes to you for our whole life. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.